0: And welcome to yet another fabulous episode of the Rocks and Roots podcast. We know it's going to be good because we have a guest who has been on the podcast twice now. He is our most favorite cyclist. He is our only cyclist on
1: here.
0: Hello, Frankie. <laughs>
1: Hello. It's, it's good to be back. Good to see you both. Greetings. Um, Frankie recently completed another long distance trip across various parts of the United States and we'll let him tell how many miles and, and how many days, but roughly of uh, departing Denver, Colorado um, to Chicago with fellow cyclist Michael Glickman. But we'll let Frankie give this summation of days and miles and then we will get into details. Um, like... I was saying before we started recording I had a blast stalking your Instagram and watching your videos and looking at some gorgeous photos to help come up with the outline. Oh, so, well, well done sir. Um all right. So very very briefly um oh I'm sorry Tumbles you said you had an announcement about a thing about a thing. And I just started going into this thing.
0: No that that, that that's quite that's quite alright. Okay. Um so yeah, I was off to Trader Joe's, like I usually do at lunchtime. We get an elongated lunch whenever we feel like it. But anyway, I, I was off to Trader Joe's, and I found this snack called Fruze. And this would be good for Frankie. It would be good for anybody who does endurance sports. Um, and it's a stupid name, but what they are is peanut butter and jelly balls. Peanut butter and jelly protein balls.
2: Are they shelf-stable? Yes. Okay.
0: Five of these is 280 calories. Pretty good. So fat-dense, not too many um, sugars, and protein. So if you go to your local Trader Joe's, if you have one nearby, go find F-R-O-O-Z-E PB&J balls. And they actually have peanut butter in them, unlike the Bobo Bobo bar thingies that I like, <laughs> which only has the stupid jelly. I
1: don't even know if I've ever had a Bobo bar.
0: That's what it's called, What's... right?
1: Boo-boo-bobo... <laughs> Something. I don't What's the serving size? Do you know? Because 250 calories for five doesn't sound bad at all.
0: No, it's that's, but... that's the serving. It's five balls. The balls are, okay. like, I don't know, quarter size.
1: Okay. Yeah, that um, actually sounds like a really good ratio lots of protein but you're not getting tons of crap very cool
0: yes so along with our kind bars which i've been focusing on lately because you started eating them and i'm like well they're a bit healthier than all the other shit that we're eating so and they were huh
1: they were recommended by our podcast foodie from way back
0: that's right that's true she came on i forget her name my bad but she came on back in february of this year So check her out. Anyhoo-ha, let's get into Frankie's Epic Journey Part 3, or Part 4. Is this number four? This is
2: his third time with us.
0: Uh, No, third time with us, but how many trips have you done?
2: This is the fourth tour in four years. Wow. Wow. Four
0: four for four. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to keep that streak going, at least until uh, I get into nursing school. There you go. Can you give us a
1: very brief um, summation of the previous three, just to catch up any listeners who are not going to go back and listen to our wonderful uh, previous three interviews, two interviews with you.
2: (laughs) Uh, Sure. So the first tour was summer of 2019. I rode from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Seattle, Washington with my cousin, the second tour was in the um, uh, the winter of 2020. I rode from Austin, Texas to San Diego, California. Um, the third tour was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania down to Atlanta, Georgia. That was the summer of 2021. And then this tour was 1,100 miles all inside of the state of Colorado, over 26 days. Um, So with this trip being complete, I think I now have about uh, 8,000 to 8,500 miles of touring on my bike, Vixen. Congratulations. That is absolutely fantastic. Well, thanks.
0: So this latest trip was all in Colorado? Yes. Okay. All right. So it wasn't a cross country trip
2: no and and unfortunately it was it was um it was kind of out of necessity i wasn't planning on going on a tour this year this actually all started with a phone call that i got from my mom in the middle of the night uh my mom lives in the midwest and uh one night she woke me up uh with a phone call i pick up the phone and i ask mom it's 10 o'clock at night here like what what's going on and um I think my mom and my sister have their home on couchsurfing.com, and they had a guy who was staying with them that night who was currently on a bicycle tour. And so immediately I'm fully awake, and I'm hey, put him on the phone. Put let's him on tell. the
0: phone. Yep. I know.
2: And um, I can't remember his name, but he was a really, really nice guy. It was – I I was very impressed that he had left Chicago very, very early in the year and was planning to ride down to – the Southwest and then across the Southern United States in the height of summer. I have no idea if he completed it. Um, no boy, bueno. but, uh, that was his, his plan was to leave from Chicago in the winter, do route 66 and then ride the adventure cycling association, Southern tier. Anyway, um, I hung up the phone. I don't think I ever fell back asleep that night. I just sort of laid in bed and stared at the ceiling and I thought to myself, oh man, it was so great to hear about this guy's adventure and what he's going to do. I have to do something this year. Um, And I'm in school right now, but fortunately I found that I had a window and that was um, from August 2nd to September 3rd, I had, uh, well, from August 3rd to September 2nd, I had no obligations in New Jersey. And... I talked to a friend of mine who is also in school, my buddy, Mike, who if anyone listened to the podcast last time, I think we discussed it. He broke his arm in the middle of our bike trip. That was how his trip ended. Okay. So this is the same guy. All right. I'm I'm very glad that he got to
0: the um, redemption cycle,
2: the redemption trip, redemption. And then some, I think, I think both Mike and I are in better shape now than we were the entirety of that trip. Um,
0: I mean, you you were a beast at the gym. I mean, sk- whenever strong. I was I was there early in the mornings. You were there, killing it. So I'm not surprised.
2: I I, I thank you. I I uh, I needed all of it. Is is what I found out as soon as I got to Colorado. But yeah, so uh, I was I was gone from New Jersey for I think 31 days, but from when we left Colorado, which we were on the bikes the day we got there, um, we, we got to Denver at like seven fifteen in the morning on an Amtrak train. Oh, wow. And we just immediately put the bags on the bikes, put the bikes together and left, left Denver.
0: So you, you, did you train it from Jersey to Denver? I did. Wow. Uh,
2: how was which, that experience? Fantastic. Cool. Um, riding, riding, the train across country is really, really great. A lot of the things that people don't like about um, like commercial travel, like if you like air travel, you have to deal with TSA and, and you know, you're in a confined space and there's nowhere to really get up and move around on a plane. None of those things are the case, uh, at least on a train in the United States. Uh, You don't have to, you don't have to go through TSA. Nobody's checking your bags. You don't have to pay bag fees there's a whole sightseeing car that Mike and I spent a lot of time in on our way across the country. And I mean, the other thing that's really great, particularly about the sightseeing car, it is a social place. You can talk to whoever you want. And people are just comfortable starting conversations with strangers. And that's one of my favorite parts about uh, this type of travel is you get to meet so many people because you're not trapped in a car insulated from everyone else. You're always right there. How many days on the train to do that trip? Uh, so we left the afternoon of August 3rd. We were on the train all day, August 4th, and we got there the morning of the 5th. So it was like, it was like a day and a half. That's not,
1: that's a lot better than I thought. I'm making a note of that for the future.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's the California Zephyr is the, is the route that goes from Chicago to Emeryville, which is just outside of San Francisco. Um, consistently people say it's like one of the best if you're if you're ever going to ride a train anywhere the best place to do it in north america if you're not going to do it in the canadian rockies it's the california zephyr okay cool
0: that is yeah very
2: cool a lot of fun that was what we did on the way back all right so i was absolutely
1: thrilled when i was going through your instagram because one of your first stops was in uh rocky mountain national park yeah. and you got off the bike and you went on a hike. So tell us about your tell us the hike. <laughs>
2: Um, I you know, I don't I think by your standards it wasn't anything that ambitious, but uh, Mike and I had a great time. We stayed at the campground that sort of nestled furthest up in the uh, area to hike in on the east side of the park, Glacier Basin.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What's really nice about Rocky Mountain National Park. They have a bus system that will That's take good. you all the way up to the trailhead that is. Uh, at the highest altitude, which is all the trailheads uh, next to Bear Lake, so we did a hike that started from uh, the Bear Lake trailhead and went up past uh, Dream Lake all the way to Emerald Lake, which is oh man, it was it was incredible. It's you know we started at I think about eighty five hundred feet and we got up to above ten thousand. Nice. Um, and I've I've never that I can remember had low barometric pressure, give me a nosebleed, but it did on that hike.
0: Okay.
2: Um, Yeah. I was just about to ask. um,
1: Yeah. So that I was, when you said above 10,000, I was just
2: about to ask any other symptoms. Uh, You know, it's, it's your heart's, your heart's pounding doing the littlest bit of work because uh, you're just, you're not used to how thin the air is, but um
0: is that the highest you've been or have you been higher
2: no i that's 10 that i had never been at ten thousand feet until but you went
1: higher on this trip after that if i recall
0: yes okay okay so but this 10 thousander er was the first for you
1: yeah cool y- you but popped your is... uh, hypoxia cherry congratulations <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, um yeah i can identify with you dude um Wheeler peak yeah, you're absolutely right your heart is pounding uh, did you have trouble concentrating?
2: Not not particularly um, okay. I don't know if that's a symptom of altitude sickness it is I yeah, I had a a touch of the hypoxia as well this
1: summer, so that's why I'm kind really of quizzing you on that yeah so we were on Wheeler peak um thirteen thousand ish feet okay. So. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. So nosebleed, heart pounding. Um,
2: actually, it kind of sounds like fun. <laughs> it's you know, it was it was very humbling, but I knew the moment I started planning this trip, if I wasn't going to if I wasn't going to be gone from home long, I really wanted something that was going to be action packed and you know probably hand in hand challenging. And Colorado was really the only place to go for that. Yeah, it was, I don't, I don't know that I ever got altitude sickness. One of the, uh, over the course of this trip, one of the things that, that we did when we got there, um, we went straight to like a, a mall and they had a kiosk in the, in the, uh, in the mall that was selling oxygen. Cans. Oh yeah. And i I think I still have mine. Um,
0: it's like space remember- balls when he's breathing in the fresh oxygen.
2: Yes. yes, have you have you guys seen these? Do you have them? No. Let, let me go get mine. <laughs> just give me one second because
1: it's, it's quite a trip.
0: I thought that was just a joke. I didn't realize I actually so, had
2: those things. It, it it feels like it weighs almost nothing, but this I've is... seen these Boost and Docs I watched again. your video. You did an
1: Instagram video where you talked about this. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so, for those of you that can't see because we are not a video podcast so that's everyone um mike is holding up a cylindrical object that says boost oxygen it is capped with a green mouthpiece that um goes over your mouth and nose or just your mouth
2: uh i think i think the idea is that you press it you press it to your mouth and 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 he's demonstrating for us (laughs) right
1: that right. is so cool. Cure your own boost oxygen before helping someone else.
2: Yes. <laughs> it's, it it does have all the. <laughs> Place mask under nose and over mouth. Pull press trigger down to activate flow. Breathe deeply through the mouth. It's ten liters, so this is supposed to be good for like. Uh, I think this is supposed to be good for like ninety seconds. So. The idea was if you start to get oxygen sickness, you have to have this in the handlebar bag. And like every 30 seconds, you're just you're just taking drags of of pure O2. I know what I'm getting. Thank you for Christmas. Right.
0: (laughs) Some boost. (laughs)
2: Uh, So what what are the results? Did it work? Fortunately, I've never tried it. I never had to use it. You know the first the probably first not the, not the best idea, but if <laughs> you try it now, live on the podcast. I mean, I don't I don't know that it's gonna have any like quantifiable effect. No, it won't, cause you're not at altitude. It's not gonna nothing. Oh, okay, nothing. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. friends, he
0: didn't pass out. He nothing happened.
2: It, it works. I felt it spray in my mouth. <laughs> That's Odd. what she said. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so
0: you went to this mall. You got your oxygen at the mall. Right.
2: Okay. Back I did. Track. I got the, yes, please. the guy who told me to, uh, to to get the oxygen, he had he had an O two can in one hand and a vape in the other, and I was like, Well I only have one of those two things, so maybe I won't have to use it. There
0: you go. So you started in Denver. Yes now, we did. Colorado's a square. Where in the square is Denver?
2: So if I don't you,
0: have a map in front of me.
2: Um I I don't think you need one so if you it's I, I don't think it's right down the middle of Colorado, but if you basically uh, cut Colorado into uh quarters, mm-hmm. so there's a, a northeast, a southeast, um, a northwest and a southwest corner, right at the very center where they all meet yes, is basically where denver is okay. it's, it's it's a city right in front of the front range, kind of equidistant between the northern and southern ends of the state gotcha.
0: Um, and your route, it was a long route, how did you go counterclockwise? Did you go north-south? How, how did your um, itinerary materialize?
2: So the route's, the route's pretty convoluted, but <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try to explain it about as simply as I, as, as I can. So uh, the first thing we wanted to do, uh, we knew we wanted to visit Rocky Mountain National Park and that was basically the northernmost place on our itinerary. Okay. Uh, as a result, because that's also very close to the Front Range, mm-hmm. we knew we had to visit that first. Um, so we left Denver to the west, and as soon as we made it up into the into the mountains, past sort of the initial ridge line, we met up with a highway called the Peak to Peak Highway, which basically runs parallel to. Uh, all of the major cities on the Front Range, so Boulder, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, Denver. Uh, further to the south, you've got Pueblo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I don't know that that highway runs that far, but basically, we made it up into altitude, so we got up to nine thousand feet, and then stayed there as we rode north to a town that is just outside of Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, Estes Park is what it's called. We. Rode over the Continental Divide while we were in Rocky Mountain National Park, east to west. Awesome. And then we just started heading south. There was, when I was creating this route, how I chose some of the places we went was I looked up all of the highest altitude mountain, pa- paved mountain passes in Colorado. And I said to myself, within reason, I want to try and do as many of these as I can. So I can say you I've ridden it. my bike. X amount of the highest places in America. Um, the two the two highest paved roads in America are both in Colorado, and neither of them are on this bike trip, which is Damn. A disappointing. But the reality is, um, I would have made it. I think Mike and I would have made it to Pikes Peak or Mount Evans before we had acclimated enough to climb them. Mm-hmm. And if we were going to get sick, if we were going to get uh, pulmonary edema. It would have been climbing Evans after having only been in Colorado a day or two, right? Um, but so we end up uh, we end up heading back south to being just west of Denver, uh, where there are a lot of very high mountain passes. We went through a bunch of them. Eventually, we made our way to the town of Leadville, which is the highest municipality in the country. That's ten thousand three hundred feet. They just uh, had
0: their um, ultra marathon there. About a week ago, a
2: week two weeks ago. Mike and I could not find a place to stay while we were there because the weekend, the, the day that we got to Leadville was the day before the Leadville 100 professional mountain bike race. No kidding. So after striking out, finding anywhere to sleep, Mike and I basically rode a bike path about a mile out of town. And as soon as I saw trees thick enough to camp behind, I said, cool, right there and we stealth camped in limp yeah
0: you seem a lot more confident than you were when you first stealth camped or cowboy camped
2: oh it was yeah i you know the it, i think we got to i think we got to talk on a previous time about um my experience in south dakota with my cousin yes and i i i won't lie to you i was definitely Stealth camping was not my first choice in Leadville. My friend, Mike, could not have been more excited about, oh, man, this is like, you know, this is like unauthorized camping. This
0: is awesome.
2: <laughs> um, and, uh, and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things, I was most concerned probably uh, for this trip more than any other about potentially interactions with wildlife. I did not see one bear this whole trip not one
0: You, um, are you and story
2: of my life. <laughs> and, and what was interesting was I, I was always concerned about, uh, you know, is where we're going to stay, have a bear box. They have a place for me to put my stuff. And the people in Colorado were like, Oh, you don't need to do that. That's fine. Just if particularly they were like, if you're going to stealth camp, just like, just sleep right next to your bike. It doesn't matter. Bears aren't going to show up and find you. And, In this instance, they weren't wrong. One of the things that I learned this trip is that there are no grizzly bears in Colorado. There used to be, but not anymore. Why? Hunting or? Hunting, probably. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um, I I really couldn't answer that. I just know that, that if there was a population, they're not really
1: around anymore. But you did see an elk, and I know we're skipping.
2: Um, can you talk about the elk? My buddy Mike actually had like the first really great close up wildlife experience. Um, the first night that we spent inside of Rocky Mountain National Park, he decided to go on a hike in the evening and he made his way up to this place, Sprague Lake, which in the evenings is known for uh, to be like a watering hole for elk and baby, uh, elk and moose. And so he went up there just before dark, came back maybe an hour after dark and had all of this fantastic footage of this enormous elk. Uh, And um, I saw saw a couple. We went up the next night uh, to the same place and I did get to see uh, a a buck elk, not quite as close as he managed to get to it, but – yeah, we we did see a little bit of wildlife. Definitely saw some marmots. I saw some bighorn sheep on this marmots. trip um, closer to the end, and I saw I, I saw the uh, I saw the elk. I did not see any mountain lions, which was great because that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's other wildlife that I saw that I just can't remember. But really, okay. really incredible.
1: And I just looked and we were correct. It was hunting, unregulated hunting until the 1950s.
0: Wow.
1: So that's why there's no grizzlies in Colorado. Awesome. So I'm glad that you got to see a little bit. And we are also, well, we're looking for moose when we go up into New England and the whites. We um, saw a dead one. Freshly dead. dead. One. Freshly um, dead. But the live ones are, they're elusive fuckers So I'm glad (laughs) that you got to see An elk, that's awesome Um, Let's go back to uh, We were talking about Towns with highest elevation And you were the highest point On the planet that you had been Yeah. Um, What was it like Trying to ride a fully Loaded touring bike 90 pounds um, At 12,000 feet It
2: was Twelve thousand feet. Where was this first? So, so the highest place that that I got on this whole trip was actually quite early on. It was riding over Trail Ridge Road through Rocky Mountain National yep. Park. There are there are three points on this trip which we were supposed to get up to over twelve thousand feet. There are quite a few more where we made it close to twelve thousand feet, but not quite. Um, but the highest of all of them was trail Ridge road that was really a, a like like an intense day i remember going to bed the night before being really really nervous about potentially encountering altitude sickness um potentially encountering bad weather above timberline which that would put that would put us at a level of danger that was really beyond what what i would want to be at and nor, nor what i would be comfortable um uh, putting a friend through, even a consenting friend who was like, yeah, let's go do this. I, consenting I don't want and my buddies. I like get that. <laughs> um, and uh, I can remember, uh, you know, we, we, we made very, very good time, better, better time than I thought. Um, and I remember getting to the sign at uh, two miles, two miles uh, in the sky and dragging dragging vixen over to this sign um, for those who don't know Vixen's the name on my bike uh, so I could take a picture and then shortly after that there's a sign that says like you know if you don't be up here if the weather gets bad that that's oh, you yeah. love painful. those signs <laughs> and I when I know now like that's how I mean, you know the trail is that's good. That's yeah.
0: good. So when when did you get to this elevation? like what was it in the morning? Uh, No,
2: when we finally made it to the top it was it was oddly anticlimactic there's no sign at the highest point in trail ridge road so i you know i make it all the way up to above timberline we're in the alpine tundra where there's where there's nothing except like little shrubs and grass there's a whole field filled with elk which is really cool they were far away but there were tons of them and uh and finally, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming over a little crest and this guy driving by me uh, stops his car. and He says, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but that's like the highest point on Trail Ridge Road right there. <laughs> um,
0: Thank Thanks. you, sir.
2: I immediately I immediately stopped the bike and I, and I ripped my helmet off. And I'm like looking at my GoPro like I fucking did it. I fucking did it. I was so excited. Yeah, it, it went really well. I want to say that we made it up there like. um I think we finally did it like four four in the afternoon and then once once i got to the top there was a little parking uh, parking lot for an overlook maybe half a mile past there and i got there and i and i waited for um i waited for mike to summit mike is mike is i would say better than i am about uh He's very much someone who's into wildlife. Like, 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 I really love on these trips seeing, like, all the exposed rock and the canyons and, and the mountains. Mike really loves flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. He loves trees. Um, he loves animals. And so any opportunity that he gets to really see those, he savors. So once I get over the top, I waited. Mike made his way over the top. And he didn't really struggle either. You know, he took his time with it. We both did but he never had any issues and then there's no uh,
1: no altitude sickness um fantastic that's that's awesome what what would you estimate the um
2: the gradient of the road like the the slope of the road i in this instance it was actually it was actually not that bad um I would say the grade of this road was at most 7%, but most of it probably closer to 6%, um, which- Can you give an equivalent for our listeners who are not
1: cyclists as to what exactly that means?
2: Most of the time, if you're driving a state highway or an interstate, anything where there has to be that a, a tractor trailer that's fully loaded or a dump truck has to be able to make it up that hill.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you'll you'll that highway will generally never be over six, seven, maybe eight oh, percent. Wow. When you get on a road that's so steep, you have to you know pr- push the gas pedal of your car to the floor, and, and you can hear it downshift and race the engine. At that point, you're probably driving something up eight percent and above, maybe ten, maybe twelve. Um, if you go to if you go to the right places, uh, where you know um they've paved a steep hill and and are you know kind of at the mercy of of the natural geography there's a there's a a a very short road in my town um that is probably 20 percent. which i keep telling myself i'm gonna bring vixen over and see if i can climb it without ejecting backwards over the back of the bike it's
0: good Uh,
2: practice yeah i mean
0: so so basically this incline that you did is nothing you've not seen before
2: De- definitely not. Okay. I knew that the biggest challenge for this wasn't going to be these roads are going to be steep. It's The climbs will be very long,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but more than anything else, you're going to have to pace yourself in a way that you haven't before because of the altitude. Okay. And it took a couple of days to figure that out. A part of it was acclimation. A part of it was recognizing you're a lot stronger than you can be right now because there's a, there's a finite amount of oxygen that you can... You know that that your body can supply to your muscles. You just have to go a lower gear and just take your time with it.
0: Wow, well um, done. I yeah. mean, I mean, this this trip sounds a lot different than your other trips. Number one, because you are in the same state the whole time. But number two, yeah. you're you're dealing with a lot more parks, a lot more parkland, a lot more. I'm sure different geography as you go through the state. What would you say was your favorite park that you went through?
2: Um, of the, Of the national parks, yeah. Uh. Okay, so Mike, Mike and I went through three national parks, and I and I saw. We we were separate for a little while. I saw one national monument. He didn't. And then the last thing that we did on the trip was went through a national monument right outside of Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh, Colorado National Monument. Hmm which I'm surprised is not a national park. It's not very big, but it is gorgeous. I would say of, of all the places that we visited that are maintained by the park service, it is a very, very close tie between uh, Black Canyon National Park, uh, which is between Gunnison and Montrose, Colorado, and Colorado National Monument. Cool. Um, they're very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado National Monument is... Is a lot of that sandstone with iron oxide. It's the red rock desert, which that's always kind of been my dream is to is to ride my bike uh, through the red rock desert. Not just in America, but literally everywhere that it occurs. Um, and uh, Black Canyon and the Gunnison, the the geology is a little bit different, um, but it's incredible. Mike and I did a hike at the at a uh, Black Canyon National Park. Um you know, we had to get a wilderness permit to get it. Uh it turns out that the there there are three routes um that you can hike to get down from the cliff edge all the way to the river in the canyon below.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and it's an 1800 foot drop. Um wow. and we did of the three routes uh what is supposed to be the easiest and it was Eighteen hundred feet down in a mile and a half, and I had never done anything like that. Um, at one point, we're standing um, on a very, very steep, uh, steep flow of scree—is the word? Is that right? Yes. Just, really? Sarah, just a pile of loose rocks, and I'm wearing my cycling gloves, and I'm holding on to an 80-foot chain, and like very slowly. Not Not quite repelling myself, I don't have to hold up my whole body weight, but very, very slowly lowering myself down this um, flow of scree that had I not had the chain, probably would have been a slide the whole way um, and yeah. uh, what, I,
0: what,
2: what was, was the, the
1: exposure like were there trees around or was it completely exposed uh,
2: there There were trees most of the way most of the way down they weren't always quite on top of us um, this this particular like route they told us we can't call it a trail because there's no cairns and it's not marked this route down um, uh, it's it you, you follow basically the same rock flow for for quite a bit of it um, so there there was a lot of time that that you did not have trees over you However, because you're in a canyon, you also don't have the sun on top of you either. Uh, that sounds amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it was it was really cool. Apparently, Mike was better about reading all of the promotional material for places we visited. He would get <laughs> he would get the park map with like everything that talked about the wildlife, and I would get it to look at a map because sometimes it's just like show me where I need to go. Exactly. Um, and I think Mike had read that the reason they call it. The Black Canyon is because uh, at the bottom there's certain sections that only get like ten minutes of sunlight a day. Oh wow! Yeah, that sounds that sounds absolutely incredible.
0: Was it cooler as you went down, or was it? Did you get warmer?
1: It was warmer. It was way warmer. See, Tumbles, that's what smart people do in August and not go (laughs) into the Grand Canyon.
0: Yeah, friends, don't go in canyons out west in the summer. It's not a fun time.
1: (laughs) Uh, Our canyon experience was just the opposite, Frankie. Um, (laughs) Explain. uh, Grand Canyon, North Rim, uh, North Kaibab Trail, going down, not as steep as that. um, but Mid-August. Mid-August. It was when I was climbing out, it was, um, it had to be close to 100 degrees. And I don't know what it was in the canyon, but it was the hardest thing I have ever done.
0: Yeah, I, sound... I went down three, I came back up. I, I let him go, go, died somewhere. I, I mean, I'm
2: sure it feels like a hell of an accomplishment. <laughs> um, it does, but yours sounds much more enjoyable. I I would say it was, I, you know, I started, I I started down with some people that I met the day before at at seven in the morning and I was wearing, you know, I was wearing my down puffer and, um, and, uh, and like a, like a, like a beanie and on my way back up, I had put those things in the backpack that I was wearing and I was just in a t-shirt. It was great. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, and then you went to, uh, Mesa Verde. And Rarely, what? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: cliff I dwellings?
1: Wanted, yeah, I want to hear you. I saw them, and I read a little bit about them. But as a history person, um, tell us about the the cliff
2: dwellings. I, I'll I'll do the best job I can. Um, so, my understanding is that is that that uh, that Mesa and the canyons about 900 years ago. There was uh, an ethnic group native to that area of Colorado that they built those they built those dwellings under under these cliffs Mm -hmm. over a period of a couple decades and lived there for like, I think, maybe maybe 100 to 150 years until um, some things with the climate uh, for a period of time uh, changed and then they relocated based on their ability to grow crops. The interesting thing was these, these dwellings are, you know, you're, you're basically, you've got all, all of these rooms and, and they were incredibly intricate, just um, obviously they're not there anymore, but um, they could show us where there were uh, wood floors that separated a, a second floor room from a first floor room and they had uh, places to uh, start fires and ways of, of getting the smoke out of the dwelling and having the heat distribute itself really well. The walls were the walls were covered in uh, pink plaster, beautiful pink plaster. Really? Most of it had eroded away, but there were sections where you could see like 900. And, and it wasn't functional. It was mm-hmm. decorative. It was really, really incredible. I think the, the takeaway, and I talked about it... Um, I talked about it in my post about this was that one of the one of the park guides said you know we're here now on this really really nice you know weekend morning and it's really quiet and pretty here don't think about this place as a peaceful place because it wasn't this was a vibrant place 150 people lived here there were babies crying children playing Um, it was a community right moms and dads working it was absolutely a community there was noise happening Round the clock. I, and, do, enjoy,
0: I do enjoy those. Uh, when I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Bandelier, National Park, same thing, the cliff dwellings, and you have to climb huge ladders to get yourself up there to check it out. Oh, good. I like that. So nifty. Get yourself to Santa Fe, to Bandelier.
2: Northern New Mexico is definitely on the list. Oh, yeah, I um, recommend it to everybody. But it, it, it was, it was gorgeous. It, um, yeah, really, really, really fascinating. It's, I really can't understate how beautiful, but also diverse Mm -hmm. the geography of Colorado is. It is absolutely astounding. You know, there's so many, there's so many different climates and the geology changes and it's just, it was, it was such a, such a great time.
0: It really is magical. I mean, no matter where you go out west, because the yeah. mountains are so high, you, you mostly get desert. And then as you gain an elevation, you go through these the climates, like you said. It, it really is a study in geography, geology. And it sounds like with this trip, Frankie, you, um, you've you experienced more off the bike than past trips. Would you say that this trip provided you more time? Pot- potentially,
2: yeah. It's you know when I when I was in when I was on tour last summer, I really only ever did two hikes. Mm-hmm. I, I I knew I wanted to do a hike in Great Smoky Mountains National Park, um, which was a great time, and then I did a hike with Mike on a rest day in Shenandoah the day before he broke his arm, and on this on this trip, yeah. We made a point to have rest days in Rocky Mountain to have a rest day to uh, go and see the dwellings. I I rode my bike through the park. That was how I navigated from from cliff dwelling to cliff dwelling. Mm -hmm. But obviously,
0: you're
2: not not bringing the bike down to to see the... uh, I can't remember the word for them. And then we actually ended up, because we altered our route a little bit, we ended up getting to... Black Canyon a day early. And that was how we got the opportunity to get wilderness permits and go do this hike down into the canyon. Okay. It was incredible. But yeah, I would say we definitely spent more time, uh, or I spent more time off the bike on this trip than I had previously. But it was all, it was really all time well spent. We also did a rest day at a hot spring, which was really, really cool.
0: Were you allowed to go in the hot spring? Oh, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, um, where where was it? Because all I can think of is the one I went and, went to in California.
0: How hot was it?
2: Uh, so this was this was a developed hot spring. Oh, okay. it, it, like like it was natural, but um, they had they had taken it and diverted the water into multiple pools. So they oh. had ones that were really hot, some of them <laughs> that were you know lukewarm, and then some of them that were uh, Orvis Orvis hot springs. Orvi- Orvis Orvis. Okay. Yes, ORVIS. Someone had told me, uh, I, I knew that Colorado was a place that had quite a few hot springs and that we had more than one option on our route. And the first night that we stayed in Colorado, we stayed with a, a lifelong native who is also a, a big a big cyclist, big adventurer, Dave. And Dave told us, if you want to go in hot springs, you got to go in Arvis. Um, and that was what we ended up doing. We spent a whole rest day there. It was great.
0: And then was that towards the end of your trip?
2: Yeah, that was in the last, that was in the last 10 days. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Okay.
2: What impact? Well, first of all, how did you guys do
1: with muscle fatigue? And what impact did um, the trip and the miles have on your body? And then did the hot springs, if there was any issues, did the hot springs help? How did you guys feel after that?
2: Um... I don't. I don't know what what a question. I don't know what order you want me to answer those questions in. Any order you <laughs> like, sir. Um, well, we could start with one one wild figure in particular. I, if I've got the math right, I think I lost seven pounds in three and a half weeks, wow. which was astounding to me. I did not get on a scale until I came home from Colorado, and then when I saw that, I was like, "Really? That's what it took?"
1: I had to go. I had to go do eleven hundred miles on my bike. So for your next, um, there are hikers that do data, like they'll go to a university and they'll get a full medical write up and then they'll do a long trail um, like the PCT and then they'll do a medical examination after. That's what you got to do for your next one.
2: That would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
2: continue. So, all right. The, The toll on the body. Uh, it was, it was challenging. You know, one of, one of the things that I I end up doing on all that I plan on doing and do on all of these trips is once I'm awake on the trip, round the clock, I'm taking caffeine pills and a leave. I take it every, I, I would wake up and take them every morning. And, uh, Mike, Mike did as well. You know, some days were harder than others. Some days you'd wake up really sore. Some days it wouldn't be so bad, but, um, it it certainly was very, very challenging at at one point I was concerned that I was gonna start having issues with my um, it bands. That was something that happened really. I had really really intense i t band pain on my very first bike trip and at one point it was so bad I thought I was gonna have to stop and go home and then kind of miraculously it went away and there were some days that I started to feel like... My legs started to feel like how they did before uh, that strain really showed up. Mm -hmm. Um, But fortunately, it never did. And a a part of it probably was recognizing you got to go lower gear. You got to take it easy.
1: Right, right.
2: Um, But yeah, um, we were sore all the time.
0: (laughs) So the hot springs did help.
2: Oh, oh, it was so good. (laughs) Um, The best that I felt on the trip, uh, by far, I would say, was... We got to the, we got to the hot springs in an afternoon and then we spent, uh, that afternoon and evening, just hanging out in the hot springs, woke up the next morning. I got in the hot springs before dawn. That was so cool. Um, and spent most of the day there. And then, yeah, that afternoon was like the best that I had felt the entire trip. I had had a very, very difficult few days before I got to Orvis, um, all of my own making, just to be clear. Um, and nothing I regret doing, just mm-hmm. just some really, really challenging climbs and and very, very long days. but yeah if if you're on a bike trip and having a hard time, can't rec- or hiking can't recommend enough. Spend a nice day in the hot springs. you'll be right as rain afterwards.
0: Same thing with hikers and runners and everything in between sounds incredible. Um, yeah
1: did but you... we happen to know a trail that has hot springs on it, so we do Is it in Arkansas? No, the Appalachian Trail has hot springs on it.
0: Right. Oh yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> no. There's a whole town. <laughs> There's
0: a whole town. <laughs> so, Frank, is is there a map somewhere where you marked out your route?
2: I did. Oh, um, sweet. If, if anyone's interested, uh, and I I don't know how you want to do it, but I have a I have a, a route that I created through a website um, with a with a companion app called Ride with GPS. Okay. It's what I've. It's what I use to plan all of my bike routes, both long tours and just uh, daily routes.
0: Gotcha. uh, Okay.
2: Where I want to maybe explore a a new part of my neighborhood, and it's really great. I uh, if you if you pay for their subscription, it gives you the ability to edit maps in real detail and annotate them with like points of interest and things like that. And every single one of my maps is heavily annotated with um, places that you can camp. Places that I can buy groceries, uh, bicycle shops, mm-hmm. All right. uh, the elevations of you know the summits and elevations of the highest mountain passes. It's there's a lot of detail on this map, and anyone who's interested in riding their bike in Colorado, if you want to plan a trip, yeah, I would say I I, w- I would be more than happy to. to to share the map, I'll I'll give you guys the the URL so that if people want to take well, a look at it, yeah, we want can...
0: to get a screen cap for the yep, instance we'll... so we can show everyone.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a very hard route to explain because at, at certain points you're going in every direction. For sure, we go north for a while, we go west for a while, east, south. It all has to do with what the um, what the landscape allows us to do, what allows the road to do that we follow.
0: huh Well. We would love you to have you on for a part two because there are some questions that I, I'm kind of curious about that uh we are pretty much out of time for right now. If if sure. if, you would, if you would like to come back on, that's
2: absolutely. Oh, yeah, all right. There's, this is the shortest trip I've ever gone on, but there is a lot that happens in a very short period of
1: time. I was gonna say it seems like it's the sh- it's the shortest, but it seems like you did a lot more. And a lot more variety like riding up the east coast and riding through shenandoah may have been a longer trip but um skyline drive is is skyline drive for 135 miles it's, <laughs> yeah here you're getting um all of these national parks and, and variety and cities and you're off the bike hiking so it seems like this was more eventful despite the, well, 1,100 miles. is not short, but um, <laughs> despite the shorter
2: mileage, no, you're, I, you're absolutely right. There was, I don't know if the number, I don't know if the numbers add up, but it felt like while I was in Colorado, I dealt with more bad weather than I did um, while I was riding the Blue Ridge Parkway last year. I think I got, I think I got very lucky with how many dry days I got last year, yeah. and in this instance. What I learned about Colorado, and we can talk more about this uh, another time. Uh, basically, every morning you wake up under a clear blue sky, and then by one o'clock in the afternoon, yep. you find out whether you're going to have a nice sunny day the rest of the day, or you're going to be uh, pulverized by thunderstorms. Yep. Um, mountains make their own weather, and you were
1: uh, around a lot more mountains and uh, mountains that are at a higher elevation. So, it sure was it makes total sense. Yeah.
0: So, but, Frank, yeah. could you give us your Instagram, and we will continue this conversation maybe next week.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, so, my Instagram, uh, and this is how I document, I've documented all my adventures, is Wild Across America. So, that's W-I-L-D-E Across America.
0: All right. Um, yes, and he has tons of stuff on there. You could spend hours looking at his stuff, <laughs>
2: for sure. Yeah.
0: And he he documented a lot on story as well. Did you save all of your stories?
2: I, I I try. I don't know that I've saved this this batch of stories yet. Generally, at the end of a trip, I go on on Instagram's website and I on a like a, a desktop computer, and then I download a hard copy of all of those videos.
0: Okay.
2: Um. And there's still there's still so many days that just because of the pace that Mike and I had to ride at certain points. And it's okay, it just it just meant it It was hard to, to document that I haven't been able to post about. So if anyone goes and starts following Wild Across America, you'll get to hear stories that uh, no one's heard yet about Colorado.
0: There you go, friends. What a so, tease, love yeah, it. Yeah, you have to go on to the Instagram now and follow Frankie and Wild Across America.
2: Oh, I'd, I'd be so flattered. <laughs>
1: uh, so stay tuned for part two of this trip.
0: Yes. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more. And friends, as usual, for us, for your, your lowly pod- hiking and adventuring podcasters, find us also on the gram. Frankie's are, are much nicer pictures. <laughs> He's done a shit ton more in a longer span of time
1: per. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's true, but well, it is.
0: It is. <laughs> you it you spend months is. on a trail. You have a lot to document. So anyway, find us on the Gram Rocks underscore end underscore roots underscore pod. Crank is doing the TikTok thing, same name. We do have this buy us a coffee thing um, that we did post on our Instagram last week. Instead of paying for Patreon, you can just spend $3 and buy us a coffee. We love coffee. We have too much coffee. Um, Lately, it's been three cups a day, so... For me, at least. Anyway, without further ado, that's it. Thank you, Frank. Thank as you so much, ever. Frankie. Cranky, you know. Here's always good. Pleasure. Always good to see you. And yeah. uh, that is it. Ciao.